Coming to you from the southwestern corner of Manitoba, sharing fresh perspectives from real educators. Tune in as teachers relate their stories of professional learning, classroom practice, and the challenges they've overcome to teach like a boss. Uh, Welcome to Teach Like a Boss, the professional learning podcast for teachers by teachers. Thank you so much for tuning in today. It's great to have you listening along with us. If you enjoy this episode, please like and rate us on your podcast app and share our podcast on social media. Hi, uh, I'm Mark Cowan, uh, principal here at Verdant Collegiate and uh, one of the co-chairs of the uh, Fort LaBaugh School Division PD Committee. Today we are talking with a couple of uh, longtime colleagues of mine here in Fort LaBaugh, Mr. Don Nohachewski and uh, Mrs. Teresa Sanheim. And uh, today we're going to just sit and have a little chat about uh, our Fort LaBaugh Vitra protocol and how it supports our Fort LaBaugh students, uh, our Fort LaBaugh staff, and our Fort LaBaugh community. Uh, As we practice some social distancing, we are in kind of... uh, We've got our parameters between us, uh, so hopefully the audio record is doing what we need it to do, and uh, the, the sound comes out all right on the other end. Uh, before we dive into it, uh, kind of a rather pertinent, uh, but also intense topic right now, uh, uh, we need to find out a little bit more about our two guests that we have sitting here with us. So I'll start with Teresa. Uh, Teresa, I probably just need a little bit of... Uh, information about yourself, uh, maybe some of the teaching past and what's led you to your current role within the division. Sure. Hi everybody. So I'm Teresa Sanheim and I'm the Administrator of Student Services for Fort LaBosse School Division. So I started teaching in this division in 1997. So I've been here a little while. Started off as a classroom teacher Uh, in Reston School and was there for about six years and then I transferred to Elkhorn where I became a resource teacher and have taught quite a few different high school courses and junior high courses within that school and then the last three years I've been here working at the division office level supporting kids and teachers with programming uh, needs and supports. Good to have you here Teresa. Thank you. Thank you. How are you Dawn? Yeah. I'm uh, Don Nachuski, and uh, just thinking back on my journey through education, uh, started way back in the fall of 1988 in Elkhorn School, and I was a phys ed teacher back then and taught some high school courses, uh, some Canadian history and some world issues, but it was basically junior high and, and high school phys ed that I was involved in. I taught in Elkhorn for six years and accepted a transfer over to the junior high where I taught grade five, homeroom for a number of years, did a little phys ed, did a little library assistant work there. Oh, good for you. So got very familiar with the Dewey Decimal System, (laughs) so that's always important, uh, library assistant. Uh, So I did that, uh, and Mr. Plasier, who was the principal at that uh, at the time asked me if I'd like to uh, try uh, grade seven. So I ended up um, teaching grade seven in the grade seven world and absolutely loved it and uh, taught many years in grade seven. And uh, that went on and 
Mr. Cowan became the principal uh, at the junior high and I became more and more involved in administration and actually was his um, kind of his backup when Mr. Cowan was away. He'd call on me to, uh, to go in and, uh, and it got me, piqued my interest in admin and uh, so I was given the opportunity to uh, be the principal at Golter School which was an awesome experience getting back to the world of elementary and uh, uh, learning lots about that world and gaining a huge appreciation for those teachers and all the people that work in elementary. That's, Amen. That was Amen. very eye-opening. Uh, they, uh, they are awesome, awesome people. And uh, then I had an opportunity to go back to the junior high, kind of where my heart always was, middle years kids, and uh, I uh, was given the opportunity to be the principal at the junior high. So uh, that's my current role right now. I'm now at the junior high uh, working at Min full time. So that's my journey. Some good memories there coming out of that one. I'll just give you a little insight into my world, and then uh, we can dive into some uh, Vitra talk. Uh, I graduated the year after Mr. Naw had his first job. I graduated in 1989, uh, Cirrus boy. I uh, went to BU, got my uh, ed ticket there. Uh, first job was up in Cross Lake, Manitoba. Uh, I taught an alternate ed education class up there for a year, and then I taught some grade 9 and 10 science and math for a year. Uh, opportunity came for Cola, Manitoba, so I applied for the position in Cola, uh, taught in Cola for two years, uh, and then had the opportunity to slide into the principal's position in Cola, so I was the principal for three more years after that. Uh, then the opportunity the junior high came about, so I applied for the junior high position, uh, was there for 10 years as the principal of the junior high. Uh, and then the opportunity came here for the high school. So I uh, took that opportunity. I uh, was able to have a pretty big transition in my career without uh, erupting or changing my family situation too much. So it was very nice. And uh, I think this is year seven for me over here at the high school. So as you can see, there's lots of experience in the room, if that's the right way to put that. And I think that that's what's lent us to, uh, to be where we are when it comes to Vitra. So let's start with Vitra. Who would like to tackle explaining for us what Vitra is? Don? Sure. Uh, Vitra stands for, uh, let me think if I can get this right, uh, Violent uh, Risk Threat Assessment. And uh, it originated with a man, uh, Kevin Cameron. And uh, it, it kind of evolved... He was kind of the, the guy that, that started Vitra. It was his, his sort of uh, idea uh, after his work with uh, the Alberta government uh, after he was seconded by uh, the Alberta government after the Tabor shootings and after the Columbine shootings. I believe that was way back in 99. And uh, he was heavily involved with the RCMP and, and all that kind of stuff. And he came up with the, with the idea of Vitra and the protocol and the best practices. And, and um, I was fortunate enough to uh, listen to Kevin Cameron uh, in a couple of PD experiences 
that got me interested in that world. Um, at that time, I was thinking about admin and things like that, and so this was kind of aligning up to my future goals and uh, had the opportunity of uh, listening to Kevin Cameron, who is a, an extremely engaging, engaging speaker. He, he, uh, he's a wonderful speaker. Um, and um, went to a couple PDs that he um, gave actually right here in Fort LaBosse. Okay. He came to Burton mm -hmm. and um, uh, presented his, his protocol. And uh, that's when Fort LaBosse decided that, that this looked like a, a, a great thing for our students and our community uh, to be a part of this Vitra. So we, we as Fort LaBosse jumped right in and I've been a part of it from basically the beginning. So uh, that's kind of the history of, of my role with Vitra. Teresa? Yeah, I'll just add to that same, same path as you, I think. I was involved in that first training when Kevin came along. And it's the best PD I think I've ever had in my career the entire time. And I would continue to listen to him any opportunity that I had. Uh, so basically... I think all of us around the table have at least level one and level two, as well as I have trauma-informed systems and family systems as well from Kevin Cameron. So there's a number of layers to that training for us to understand that process. And I would just add to that that the whole purpose of Vitra would be to identify people who are on a path to serious violence and that it is an evolutionary path, that it is a process, and the key point in that is that no one ever just snaps. And I think that's what we needed to understand is that sometimes we tend to think that this just came out of nowhere. And what Kevin has taught us and encourages us to always go back to is that we, we know that people often show us signs that they are struggling and are needing help and support. And that's that whole purpose behind his training that he provides to as Dawn had said to police officers, uh, there have been entire communities that follow this protocol, and especially for us here in Fort LaBosse, it's the best, I believe, model that there is for supporting our students and our community members. Yeah, and just to add to that, Teresa, it's, it's inclusive and it's data-driven. Uh, it's, it's very much data-based. And um, the collection of that, and and how we use data to to track that evolutionary pathway towards violence, and and to put uh, interventions in place and supports to to help those individuals um, deal with things in their lives to uh, prevent violence mm -hmm. from happening. It's more of a preventive. It is. Thing. You're right. So yes. Yeah. I, uh, I follow Kevin Cameron on, on Twitter, and certainly with the current Nova Scotia situation going on, uh, he has been uh, not officially brought into that process, but he has certainly posted a few tweets uh, with his connection to that world. So uh, once again, a scenario where uh, people are right now very, very curious as to why the behavior unfolded the way it did. And that's where I see it happening in here is, students or kids or adults or whoever in, in our Fort LaBosse world, if their behavior is such that makes you ask that question, then you need to do some digging and find out what has led to that situation. Because like Teresa said, no one ever just snaps, right? It's something that has progressed to that point. So 
Um, for sure. Uh, the training was awesome. Uh, I went to level two and off and, uh, just recently, and uh, that was very enjoyable two days. You talked about some great PD. That was some great PD for me in that process. So um, tell me a little bit about what Fort LaVos has in place as far as a committee, as far as you it, with your roles in that process. Uh, how, how does how does Fort LaVos respond to a Vitra situation, which we'll talk about in a sec, which might trigger it, but what do we have in place as far as a system to respond to our Vitra situations? Well, I think that every school has uh, somebody trained in Vitra. So we're talking the same language, we have the same understanding of the process, the protocol. Uh, so if uh, there's a concern, uh, it doesn't even have to be an incident, it's just a concern. Uh, that is reported to the, the person with that VITRA training in that building, usually it's the administrator, um, then that is reported to Teresa um, or Mr. Pitts, and then the protocol is the, the protocol is activated and there is an investigation. Is that right? Yeah, for sure. So if there's concerning behaviors, essentially, so what they, they ask us to do during the training is to really understand and know our kids and establish what they're regular or what Kevin refers to as baseline behaviors are. And so when those baseline behaviors shift off a little and we see them moving to more concerning or that's unusual for that particular student or staff member or community member, then we want to communicate that to people because the biggest... A problem that we see whenever there is someone who's leading on that path to making or being forced to make decisions on how they're going to handle it. What we see is that a lot of people have pieces to the puzzle. And so that whole point of being open to that, of, of addressing our concerns when we see them, is about putting those pieces of the puzzle together so that we can get a better picture of what's going on. So it's, it's not about trying to get people into trouble. It's not about having it be punitive. It's about being a supportive model to say, hey, I've got concerns about this student. And when we start to ask the right questions and we gather the information in the correct way, then we can put those pieces of the puzzle together to say, this is the picture that we're dealing with. Now let's investigate and gather more information to be in a supportive role as opposed to punitive. It's not about getting people into trouble. It's not about, um, we're not, we often say we're not police officers. Sometimes we're asked that. We're just, we're teachers and we're here to help and support. So yeah. that's that whole basis for Fort LaBosse is just addressing concerns when we have them and opening up the conversation to all people, all stakeholders that might have a piece of that puzzle that we need to support who's ever struggling in that moment. Feature mm -hmm. for sure is not discipline. It is not. It is support. Absolutely support because it just is becoming aware of people who have been escalating their behaviors often because they don't see another way out. And so when we see increases in anxiety or, or um, you know, concerning around our just our mental health, then we often have a more difficult time dealing with the challenges that are in our world. And so as Mr. Cowan had mentioned, you know, we certainly right now are dealing with unknown circumstances with this whole COVID-19 virus. 
And, you know, I, I wonder, as you mentioned with Nova Scotia and people being thrown off, if this isn't all connected. We've got almost two circles of trauma that have probably are interconnected in some way, shape or form. And so this is timely, this conversation that we're having. Mm -hmm. It's important. We're, we're all dealing with things that we've never had to deal with before. And that just adds even more stressors to our world and can escalate our anxiety. And when our anxiety is escalated, we don't process things as well as we would if we were in a more stable, secure environment. Yeah. And, and I think just to add into that a little bit, right, Don talked about having someone in each building who is trained or the go-to person when it comes to a VTRA response. Uh, I think it's important that we have that conversation with all staff to understand what baseline really means, right? Because uh, you need to have that information because what one person sees over here, if they don't share that or report that, um, that doesn't get added into the baseline. So all of a sudden we have another incident over here where once again, if that doesn't get shared, it's not adding to the baseline, right? So I think important is this is just the duty to report. Um, it's not, I won't say that it's at the same level as reporting a, a child abuse or that type of a situation, but it's just about good communication back to to schools to, to, to know their kids, right? So for the bosses, mental wellness is certainly a, a priority, right? We work on having connectivity lists in all of our buildings, just so kids have an adult that's watching them. And I think that that's important that we keep an eye on those kids and report that unique situations or those unusual situations because that's what adds to the baseline, right? So when a teacher brings me a writing sample of trying to concerning material, yes, we have to make a decision on what that looks like, but at least the teacher has brought it to the table. Mr. Gallon tucks it in his little file if we don't think it's necessary to go to the next level, and it's there. So that the next time a different teacher comes down and reports a verbal or something like that, we have that other data to refer back to, and maybe that's the one that triggers the response of, Hey, Teresa, we need, we need some Vitra help over here in our building and, and can go from there. Um, I, I guess the next one that I, that I had on there is we kind of talked a little bit about it, but what would be some examples of things that would trigger a Vitra response, right? So as a principal, as a school staff member, what are some, some examples maybe that you've had? Or what are some scenarios that you've had that would cause a trigger in order to put a vitra in place? Yeah, well, the first thing that comes to my mind are, are threats. Uh, that's almost an automatic. Um, any, any threats uttered to uh, staff or to other students or to other people, um, that is a, a big time red flag. And um, th it's not taken lightly. We have we have just the, the zero tolerance policy that we all have in our mm -hmm. in our policies, right? Anything that is a threat and is reported, whether it's cyber, whether it's face to face, yeah. we have the responsibility to respond to that. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, safety is paramount. It is the number one. Uh, we are responsible for the safety of of our students and and our staff, and it, it is the number one priority. Um, so if there is uh, uh, verbally threats or, or any, any physical uh, threat or anything like that threatening, then for sure Vitra will be enacted for that. 
Sure, and the opposite of that also. So that's why, as when Mark had spoken to knowing our kids really well, is that even our students that all of a sudden start to fall off the radar, kids that maybe used to be outgoing that no longer are or seem a little bit more disconnected or sad or quieter than they were, and the opposite of that as well. Sometimes our kids that are a little bit more in control, we see them kind of falling off the rails a little. They become a little more agitated, a little more upset in class, a little bit more responsive, you know, in a negative way. So it just is really knowing that we all handle things in a different way and, and accepting that within people and that what is struggling for us can come from many different areas and our responses can be very much a spectrum on how that might look. And so it's about knowing that uh, the effect of trauma and the, the need to connect with other people and how trauma is so connected to those worrisome behaviors and worrisome behaviors start people on that path to violence because they don't really see another way out. And so it's basically any type of behavior that we would just be concerned about for our kids is worth the conversation, not that it would necessarily trigger the entire VITA response. Mr. Pitts makes that ultimate decision. But it opens up that conversation because lots of times when teachers have reported those concerns to their teacher person within their building or to their principal, the conversation gets started. And then as those people start to add those puzzle pieces or open up that conversation, then that's when that conversation happens, further conversation happens with Mr. Pitts uh, to make that decision whether or not more needs to be done and follow that format in terms of that VTRA response. So it really is just that beginning of talk about it. If you have concerns, let someone else know because there are certain things that give us little warnings that we do need to investigate further. There are certain uh, behaviors or words that our students, even our staff, our community members for that matter, this extends to a much bigger uh, point than just for the boss. When, when we're concerned about people, have the conversation, not in judgment, but in support, because it really is a people-focused process. It's about support and help, uh, not, not judgment in that sense. Right on. Good stuff. And uh, just makes me think of the challenging time that we're in right now, right? Mm -hmm. Is that we don't have that face-to-face -face time with our kids. Uh, where we would see that hallway behavior, or we'd see that recess behavior, right? Uh, and we'd respond to it. Here, it's they're isolated. They're not. They're not with us. So more and more important in this time that we're making that opportunity to try and communicate with them. I know it's just a verbal or it's an online connect, but um, at least that's something, right? We can see how they're doing because there's some kids out there that I'm pretty worried about right now uh, in this process. So um, hopefully. We come out the other end safely. Um, what do I got next? How about, what does, so let's say it's been activated. You've had the report. Uh, the principal has made the decision that, you know what, we need to, we need to put this, need to check this out further. We need to, to do a VTA response to this. What, what happens from there? I phone the division office, Teresa, and I say, hey, I got a case over here that needs some help. What, what happens from there to the next steps? Sure. So that's exactly where it starts is a phone call to, uh, usually it's Barry. Barry Pitts, the superintendent. He makes that decision to activate the VTRA team. So in my role, I would be that lead person for the violence at risk assessment. And he essentially says, gives me a little bit of a synopsis, what the school is, who the student or a staff member that was involved, what the... Um, 
basic information is. And then I decide who I'm going to call off of our Beecher team within Fort LaBaugh School Division to help go and do some form of investigation into the situation. So often it is another principal that that happens with. Uh, we have, I think all principals have been trained at this point in time. But the members of our actual Beecher team that we call on is a pretty, pretty solid group because you get to know each other's questioning techniques. You know where they're going. Uh, usually it's two people that are involved, no more than that. Um, and it essentially just starts off with Mr. Pitt saying, I think we've got something we need to check into. And then we sit down as a Beecher team, we talk about it, we talk about how we're gonna go through that process, who would be best to maybe ask the questions in that situation. And then we have a conversation with kids and with staff members as necessary and with admin to see what is this overall picture? Who else do we need to talk to? And then we start making a list of that. I should add, we've done some work in trying to involve some other community members as well in terms of making sure that we open those lines of communication with our RCMP, with our uh, first responders, so that we all are speaking that common language when we see if a traumatic experience happens within a community, how that impact can spread out and can, even if you weren't directly affected, sometimes those worries, those fears escalate something within you that you're now more worried about your own situation than you would have been had that outside traumatic event not happened. So there's, a, there's quite a, a process to it, but Kevin has outlined all of the questions that we ask, the framework that we follow, so that we make sure that we don't leave any stone unturned. Yeah, I don't have really too much more to add to that. It's, um, yeah, we just follow uh, the protocol as set out by Kevin. Uh, it's pretty scripted, the questions. Uh, it's it's data driven, like uh, Mrs. Sanheim said. Um, we're looking for data, and it's very much data driven. And we compare that to baseline behaviors, and then we decide on interventions and what to do next. Where can we support this individual? And as someone who has probably just recently been a part of the questioning part of it, I appreciate that script, right? It's very well laid out, and it really helps guide the process as you're going through that. Um, as we all do, we add our own little personal flares into those questions when we're doing it, but you're, you're reading the situation, and you're making decisions as far as the answers that come to you. But the script is very much appreciated uh, when you're going through that process. What kind of time are we talking about here? Like... It, it, I know there's probably different scenarios that unfold, but how much time would it take to go through that process of start to finish? So I know that at the finish, there's a report that comes, but what, what kind of time frame are we talking as far as start to finish in, that, in, in a normal threat assessment process? Varies. Yeah, it, it's, it, it all depends on the situation and the individual and and why Vitra was, why was it called upon? Why are we doing this sort of thing? So some are done very quickly, um, like two days, like, mm -hmm. uh, but some, some would take over a week, uh, if not longer, just because of the amount of data we need to, to get or who we need to question and interview. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's variable. It's, it all depends. It really does, mm -hmm. yeah. 
and of how open we can get people to be in giving us that information or if we have to loop back around, give them some time, processing time to think things over or to think about what had actually happened because sometimes people aren't really in that moment too, you know, and, and until they go back and have some time to think things over, then other things come to mind. So sometimes we need to loop back and have another conversation with those people that needs to happen, you know, either a day later or a couple of days later. So we've had everything from my experience since being in this role of being able to wrap Beatrice up, the, in, the investigation part of it within a couple hours, mm -hmm. to everything where it's been for me about 10 days has probably been the longest one that we've we've needed to kind of um, gather or wait for people to come back or for people to have an opportunity to speak with us. So, um, talk a little bit about the end result. So, you've gone through all of your investigation. You've you've gathered all of your data. What do you do now with all of that data, and what does that look like or turn into after that's complete? We make recommendations, and Teresa does a wonderful job on typing it all up. Amen to that. And, she does a great uh, job in writing she, reports. <laughs> her report writing is stellar. Awesome. She does a great job. And um, our, our report is um, typed up. It is given to uh, Mr. Pitts and to the principal, and uh, recommendations are made. Um, that is communicated to the person in question or the other people involved in the, uh, the investigation. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's just basically recommendations. And, and we, we try to support and, and help those people involved. So after that report is written in, as Dawn said, we, we sit down and we're discussing constantly, what, what about that as a recommendation? Or maybe they should consider doing this. And it really is considerations. Have you considered doing this? So we take a look at any of those concerning behaviors just in a manner of what would we want if that was our child, our staff member, us as teachers, what would we want to be a support for us? So we put those out. Uh, to support staff and the students that they're dealing with. The other the thing that we do within our recommendations is really try to focus on changing our practice and validating concerns or frustrations that the staff members or the students themselves may have with the way things are happening within our school building or within you know the community. And we really try to be aware of the effect of trauma on individuals and how they're capable, their skill level in handling situations to be able to support that. And the other thing that we try to be aware of when we're doing recommendations is that we have to keep it to be people-focused. Focus on the needs of, of what we're seeing come at us. And then from there, it's not up to us as a team to decide which recommendations are followed through. So that report is handed in to Mr. Pitts after the team members have taken a look at it and agreed in writing essentially to what's gone on. And Mr. Pitts sits down with the administrator and says, hey, this is what's been recommended. Do you see any validity in this? Do you see anything that you think might be of use in order to support both your staff and your students uh, to move to a better place? And so it's not up to us to decide what happens. It's just for us to say, have you considered perhaps doing this in a different way or implementing this or stopping this um, in order to better support your entire school community? Uh, how about how about feedback from people involved in the process or feedback from people who you share that report with 
Um, have you received feedback on, on their reflection on how things went? Was it a positive? Was it a negative? How did they feel? Like, was it beneficial, I guess, is where we're going with that. Well, I think it's very beneficial. The feedback that I've, I've received, um, I think staff uh, are reassured that there is a process in place. Uh, when we're looking at concerning behaviors or anything threatening and things that there is a process in place. We do have people uh, trained to, um, to make recommendations, to, to, to look at data and that's familiar with the protocol. Um, I think that's reassuring for, to staff to know that, that there is a process and that we do not take things lightly. Uh, that that anything concerning will be looked at, so that's a positive for sure. Um, I, I think the openness. I've heard um, uh, staff members are appreciative of the recommendations. Um, maybe some things that they haven't thought of before, things like that. So um, yeah, I think it's it has been a positive experience. Uh, I have not heard an, a negative thing. Um, what about from parents? Any parents, parents are—they don't really understand. Some parents, why? I think, and once they find out why, they—they uh, they jump on board. Okay. Uh, it's just because they don't understand what Vitra is all about, okay. sort of thing. They—they they, some of them might look at it as a, a, a punitive type of thing, and it, it's not at all. It's—it's it's a supportive okay. process. So uh, I think once they. Um, see what's what we're trying to do is help kids and help people uh I, they jump on board for sure it's been pretty well all positive yeah and i think that one thing that has come out of it for us just to remember is to remind our families that we have these protocols in place sometimes i think they they knew or they they might have remembered but i think it's important every year that we do announce that we do have those policies in place and these are some of the circumstances that we might be um, involving your child or you, perhaps in the process. Sometimes we do need to speak to family members mm -hmm. as well. Right. Um, so it's about keeping that communication open and understanding that we're here to, to support. And it, and again, going back, we can't stress this, stress this enough. It's not punitive. It, that is not the intent: is to get people in trouble. It is to say we're handling this situation maybe in not a great way. And uh, let's see what we can do to support you in, in moving in a, in a more positive direction based on what we're getting from that information from the people that we've talked with. How about just some challenges? What's been some, what's been some difficult things for you being involved in the processes um, to get through? What are some challenges that you've faced? Well, challenges for sure, it, time away from my building. Right, right. Um, it's, it, it's, a, it's time. Time for sure. Where do you find time? Uh, obviously, this is a priority. So, uh, what what am I leaving behind in my building, sort of thing? So, so that that's not a great great thing. Uh, I know in large large school divisions, they have people that just do Vitra. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm thinking of Los Angeles and big cities. I mean, that's their job. Right is to, to do Vitra. So we don't have that luxury. Being a small division, right. I mean, we all have to pitch in and do whatever we can. And, and so that takes away from other things, our, our time. Uh, another um, concern is, is keeping staff aware 
parents aware of these policies um, just to keep it in the forefront uh, that we have this policy and things like that. Uh, training uh, is another concern is is because we have people moving in out, out of right. uh, positions and out of the uh, the division they change roles uh, how do we keep our staff uh, current in the training for sure uh, that's another concern and of course with training uh, comes time mm -hmm. so it, it does take time for sure any other how about you Teresa any challenges concern? I think sometimes it's just going back to the getting the full story so that people know to trust us it's really hard when we come in we try to explain who we are that we're teachers yeah. that we're administrators that you know we we understand that there's a concern and we're here to help that it is impunitive and getting the kids or families to trust us in what we do that we we understand kids really well and we understand system dynamics really well and that we are trained, like we, we continually cycle back and are continually being trained in this process. And so it's just about, um, you know, establishing and, and getting the kids really, some kids will tell you everything, which is kind of cool, you know, like they just, it opens and it's like, okay, yeah, I finally get to tell somebody. And some kids are worried about what's going to happen here. Am I going to be in trouble? Am I going to be embarrassed if this comes out? And that we have to reassure them that we are there just to support everybody and to try and make make it a little easier to, to live in that moment, to to have another way of, of addressing that worry or that pain that someone in this situation has been feeling. So that's, that's the challenging part is getting to how can we support that worry or fear that is causing the worrisome or challenging behaviors that we're seeing. Uh, I think just think back to a couple of them that have unfolded in this building. Uh, I guess from my perspective as a principal, I appreciate the fact that um, even though we have all of our connectivity stuff set up, there are kids that don't share certain levels of, of situations, right? And and we do acquire biases, and I'll be the first to say it, is that I acquire biases towards kids because I've known them for five years, six years, whatever the case may be, right? So you do, you acquire biases. And when you bring in people that aren't necessarily connected in that situation, it allows that honesty and truth to come out on both fronts, right? As far as what they see, uh, but also what the kids share. So it's, it's certainly a, a positive in that matter. Um, Challenges, um, I don't know if there are any. I know that we're pretty protective, us administrators are of our buildings, and sometimes the recommendations that come back, we go, no, that's not, you know, that's, that's not gonna work in this situation. But like Teresa talked about, there's a process that's in place to allow those conversations to happen. And I think the more and more that we're familiar with that protocol and we're familiar with the process, um, that we become more open, if that's the right way to put that, to all of those recommendations that come back. So it's certainly been a, a positive and an eye-opener for me to be on both sides of the process. It's been, been very nice. Um, we've all said we've been in this a long time. What are some key changes or key improvements that you think you've seen in this process that have occurred over the years? Anything jump to mind that, listen, we've, we've been responsive, we're, we're getting better. Well, what are some things that you think we've gotten better at in the process over the years? Anything jump to mind? <laughs> uh. 
I think just looking at, at the protocol and, and looking at the, the forms, I think uh, the way that Kevin Cameron is, is uh, making it more scripted, I think it's becoming a, a little bit easier to administer and to go through the process. Um, I know he's talking about uh, having apps on phones and things like that, uh, just to making the process easier for people that are involved in it. Um, so it's um, that that for sure is is encouraging. Um, uh, I don't know. What do you think, Teresa? I think I come from a different perspective because I wasn't really involved in it. I had the training prior to being in this role, but what I really like and appreciate is just how it's, I see people being so open about having those conversations and yeah. know now. I think that's been a big change for me is just seeing how people now know I need to report that or recognizing that the behavior is telling us something. Um, you know, even if it is, you know, we are not really super happy with that behavior, that behavior is telling us something. And we need to understand what the root cause of that behavior, good or bad, is telling us. And it's, I think as teachers, for me, it just has made me far more aware um, of, of, you know, those little nagging feelings to, to let somebody know, right? Not to hold that yourself or not to think that you're just tattletaling. It's, it's about having genuine concern for people and, and knowing that it's okay to say. You're not trying to get anyone in trouble. It's just I'm a little concerned about this and feeling free to tell people that you know that someone will speak that same language, that there's a process to knowing whether or not we need to deal with that further. And I just see it as being just um, it's comforting knowing that there's a process in place and that there is something that we can do as opposed to just hoping that it solves itself. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, just thinking like how it, 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 over the last 20 years, how just the topic of mental health, uh, how it's becoming uh, more open to talk about. And this, I think, really dovetails in with, with mental health. Uh, talking about baseline behaviors and, and, and supports and things like that. And people are, are talking um, about mental health and, and they're seeing it as not something to hide. I mean, um, it's become uh, definitely more open and more of a priority uh, in the workplace for sure. And um, so this, I think, supports that. So that's a good thing. And I think moving forward, uh, probably going to be a uh, policy and a process that is going to be very, um, very frequent in, in, in using moving forward, right? Uh, I feel as though that's something that we've got a great baseline here and a base ourselves to build upon. And I think that that's a tool that we're going to be using on a regular basis moving forward. Um, so uh, anything else to share, guys? That's kind of where I wanted to, to get through, but I guess I just wanted to check. As you can see, lots of experience in the room uh, with this process. So anything else from either one of you to share for our listeners out there? I would just reiterate, I know I keep going back to this, but uh, just don't be concerned about sharing concerns about kids. Go to your administrator, go to uh, someone and tell them. It, we're, we're better off knowing than not knowing, and we're better off responding than not responding. And 
We will probably need to be more, as Kevin would say, hypervigilant on making sure that our families and our students are okay, given the times that we're in. And again, that we're here to be a support and to be a resource for our, for our families, for our students, and especially for our staff members. Yeah, uh, I concur. Like it's uh, just reflecting back on, on my journey through Vitra, um, it's been very, very rewarding uh, and some of the best PD I've experienced in my career. And um, I think uh, it's going to be a very valuable part of uh, supporting our students through these troubling times for sure. Yeah. Well, for a bunch of experienced educators, I don't think we did too bad with our first podcast. Is this your first one, Don? Or this is my first. This, yeah, first one? First well, one. We're, late, we're waiting to hear our reviews, so yes. hopefully we did a good job. Um, a huge thanks went out to Don and Teresa for doing this, uh, especially during these unique times. There's lots of other challenges going on right now, so I appreciate you making time to come in and, and have this chat. Hopefully it's beneficial for everyone. Huge thanks to our listeners for tuning in. Uh, I'd like to close by encouraging all of our listeners to take care of yourself, take care of each other, so you can continue to teach like a boss. Thanks, Don. Thank you, Mark. Thanks, Teresa. You're welcome. Thank you. Take care, everybody. Stay safe. Stay safe. Thank you for tuning in. Any of the resources or information mentioned in this podcast can be found in this episode's show notes, available at www flbsd.mb.ca forward slash podcast. Join us next time as real teachers continue to share their journeys and inspire you to teach like a boss.